Welcome back to NatChat, the Natalic podcast. My name is Rob Thorne. This week, we're discussing the evolution of the contact centre. Traditionally, the role of the contact centre worker has been one of the most strongly associated with being tethered to the office. So in a world that's seen the concept of the office as a centre of work change so drastically over the last 12 months, how has the industry adapted to this? I'm joined, as always, by a collection of industry experts to analyse how we've seen changes to the way in which customers interact with contact centres. This is by far the most conversational show that we've recorded so far, and one that I've very much enjoyed being a part of. It really comes across how passionate the guys were talking about their experiences. We cover a wide range of topics, from the reduction of human touch and an increase in self-service, to a more strategic drive towards the cloud, in this episode of the Natili Podcast. Right, it's Thursday, 15th of April, and we've got another full house of industry experts today to talk contact center with us. So I'll start by introducing our very special guest first from Cisco, Matthew Drayton. How are you doing, sir? Hi, Rob. Yes, I wouldn't necessarily say special guest, but uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. I like to make a song and dance for <laughs> all of my listeners. Um, and I'm also delighted to welcome back Natilic's own James Nunn for a second appearance. Hey, James. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. Glad to be here. Glad to have you aboard. And I've also brought along one of Natilic's contact center specialists for the first time, Ajmal Mahmoud, for his first Natilic podcast appearance. Ajmal, welcome, my friend. Could be the first of many. I hope so. Never know. I hope so. I very much hope so. But we'll see how well he'll be the judge of that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yes. James, 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 see how this James one goes. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. I'll give you a score out of 10 at the end of the podcast. That's how this usually works. That's awesome. um, so, listener, we continue our discussion on technology and the return to office today um, as we continue to progress towards the end of lockdown measures in the UK. Following on from our Wi-Fi show, we're discussing how contact centre has been impacted and what we at Natilic and Cisco are seeing in the market. So let's start off by getting to know our guests a little bit. Matthew, I'm going to come back to you first. Um, Very much enjoying your recent contact centre YouTube series and very excited to have got you on the show before Netflix swoop in and offer you a, a deal for a series. So... For any listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your history? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, the um, the YouTube stuff is going well. Um, coming into Cisco in January, uh, one of the things that I thought was uh, needed to become a bit more tangible was actually look and feel of the new WebEx contact center interface and uh, getting that out there. So that's been a little project. But yeah, joined the business at the beginning of the year. I'm actually a returning Cisco employee. I uh, Came into Cisco a while back uh, through the Tamburg acquisition, which was uh, which was a lot of fun. Back in those days, I uh, was doing a technical role, um, but then uh, for the past seven years or so, I've been uh, doing collaboration and contact center sales with AT and T, uh, which also has been awesome. Um, and then I took a I took a stint with Capgemini last year, um, but as uh, with the COVID <laughs> times last year, it was quite, kind of an interesting scenario. I actually joined Capgemini before um, before COVID, uh, but then uh, as, as that then changed, uh, everything moved online, of course, especially in terms of uh, sales. So my life was on LinkedIn and Sales Navigator, 
um, which was a lot of fun, a lot of new create uh, connections created, etc., which was really good. Anyway, um, speaking with Cisco, um, they convinced me to come on board, especially with um, obviously the development. I suppose not just in the market, but in the Cisco technology and where where their route is. The IMI acquisition being another example of that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been great to meet yourself and the rest of the Natilic team. Uh, it's been great to start engaging with customers. And what they say, it's better busy than bored. And I can tell you now, it's uh, it's very busy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thrown in the deep end and loving it so far. I like it. Yeah. Lots going on in the Cisco world of contact center, which we, we like to see. So um, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, next, uh, we're glad to have you aboard, Ajmal. Uh, I'm going to come to you next. So I've been wanting to get you on for a while now to talk contact center. So introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us what keeps you busy day to day, because I know you've got a lot of experience in the contact center world. Yeah, I've been around contact centers for a really long time. And a lot of it is purely around Cisco. So I've seen a big evolution in what Cisco is always a core technology, uh, but I've worked on um, big contact center deployments. I did the 2011 census Cisco contact center, the HMRC contact center, which was kind of, you know, 20,000 agents. Um, Those kind of deployments that I've worked on at the moment, it's all about AI. It's all about digital. It's all about self-service. It's all about automation. Um, so, you know, reaching out to Google, uh, talking about leveraging AWS cloud native applications and in the latest versions of Cisco, uh, contact center software, you've got all of that built in where you've got an orchestration layer that allows you to just automatically reach out to all those different cloud services. So lots of exciting stuff happening. Um, and that's the stuff that's keeping the, the more cutting edge stuff is keeping me busier more recently. Whereas um, twelve months ago and before, it was it was very different. So the exciting stuff, the exciting stuff. So nice, I like it. Dropping names left and right, talking about the exciting stuff. This is what we want. This is what we want. The big the big ticket stuff, Ashmal. So good to have you aboard. Um, last but definitely not least. James Nunn, second time on the show. What gives a quick intro for anyone that doesn't know about you? And <laughs> definitely not making infamous... up the numbers here. Um, so uh, yeah, James Nunn, account director at Natilic. Uh, been here for six years. I'm currently very cold because I turned off the heater a bit too early, and then now the sun's gone away and I'm freezing in my cabin. Um, it's currently snowing in. It, yeah, London, I'm pretty sure it's snowing here right now as well because it. Yeah, I feel like it's like minus one or something. Um, but uh, contact center, um, back to the topic. I I did no contact center prior to joining Natilic. And then I joined Natilic and realized that it was something that I probably needed to upskill on. And so I sat in a room with Fernando Madeira of Natilic uh, for three hours and he taught me contact center, or at least the fundamentals of it. And um, it was eye-opening and it was really interesting. You know, from a sales perspective, it was the first proper time that I've had um, someone explain to me sort of the uh, how our approach would be fundamentally different to what I had done before and really talking um, operational excellence, uh, user experience, um, the um, uh, customer journey or client journey, um, and just being sort of less and less about the the tech. Sorry, Cisco. Um, but it was, you know, it was really interesting. It was a really interesting kind of different type of sale. And then to then talk around all the solutions that kind of plug into that and how we actually, we make things work 
for our clients was um was great and it's it's um it's i would say it's definitely a passion of mine i do quite enjoy uh talking to clients about contact center because it's we we get to talk about real things about how we help um our clients and also yeah being a consumer and having to deal with a contact center every now and then it's always interesting to bring that perspective to it so yeah thanks for having me again I suppose we're all contact center experts, James, when it comes to being a customer <laughs> ourselves, you know, we've all had those excellent and not so excellent experiences. Exactly, you exactly. Know. We're, probably the worst, we're probably the worst customers for yeah. contact centers. Well, surely we are. You, you, why <laughs> yeah. can't you see 100%. that data? Why are you connected over there? Why don't you know this about me already? That kind of stuff. <laughs> That's a good point. I know you can do this. I know you can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's dangerous, a little knowledge, isn't it, in these situations? And it's funny you say that, actually, because <laughs> I changed banks recently, um, which I know you and all of our listeners are probably dying to hear more about. But it was a, a very interesting experience as someone that's involved in discussing the mechanics of a contact center um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I'm not going to start calling out said banks and throwing shade on the podcast because I'm I'm better than that. So they will remain unnamed. Name and shame. Name and shame. <laughs> well, I'd, I would say that they are, I've moved from one of the best, so-called best voted companies for, uh, or banks for customer service to another one. Um, so there you go. There's a, there's a hint. Um, but I think I found it really interesting, just the fact that it really stood out to me how my experience as a customer actually changed very little behind the scenes, which is a good thing, obviously. But what I, from what I do know and from what I understand, I think that there's actually quite a lot that has changed in the last 12 months. So I wanted to get your observations and experiences of working with clients and helping them on their journeys. So I'm coming back to you first, Mr. Drayton. What has stood out to you in the last 12 months, would you say? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, customer journey is definitely the key. And uh, James, to your point earlier, um, you don't need to apologize about not being a technical conversation because I would say at Cisco, we're very much focused on what it means, you know, from a customer led perspective um, and how we can improve those experiences as well. But in regards to the last 12 months, um, I suppose as a customer myself, the, the thing you don't want to hear is that there's a problem. Uh, in order to at least contact someone or understand how you can get something resolved. And I think not just in terms of uh, swapping your bank now, Rob, but I mean, everything has changed over the past 12 months in regards to commitments we've made, uh, financial commitments we've made, bookings we've made, travel arrangements we've made. You know, all these things need to be looked at and changed. So n never has, you know, the whole different load of verticals being so busy <laughs> handling these types of requests. And of course, you know, uh, those requests are coming in by people calling up. So, you know, classic voice first like approach. But at the same time, um, people are often finding that they're getting uh, better results and quicker results, either, you know, through self-service or indeed uh, through a channel that's talking or engaging with a real person. Um, but just in a different way, be that through WhatsApp or Facebook or or hashtagging. To, I mean, naming and shaming on Twitter is great, isn't it? Just hashtagging the company so you're not happy. And two seconds later, someone's calling you up, you know. Um, I mean, well, this is this is service that really works. And um, this is the kind of... Uh, that was definitely my go-to for like a couple of years. Or my, or my sole use of Twitter was just to be able to shout at companies metaphorically um because because otherwise i would just be you know doom scrolling 
the only actual contribution I had was to to at someone to say I'm not happy, but it worked. And it's crazy that that's the the like the most interaction you'd get from from a company as opposed to the actual channels that they they apparently want you to use. Well, it's 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 just the new words of mouth, you know. It's a really interesting point because. Um, a lot of people think, well, there's uh, multiple people managing those accounts for big organizations, but there's a lot of AI, there's a lot of uh, analytics at work in the background on those accounts. So if I was to say I've lost something, I've lost my baggage and I've flown with British Airways and I can't, I find them up and they go, sorry, it's lost. But if I badmouth them on Twitter, something, some piece of software will pick that up and will funnel it through to an appropriately trained agent who will contact me immediately. And this is where, I mean, we've previously talked about things like, you know, um, within the ecosystem of a Cisco contact center, you've got, I've done an IMI deployment before, which did exactly that. There's an orchestration layer, a bit of intelligence that sits in there, does, does sentiment analysis on that account. And any tweet that has the potential to go viral where someone's bad mouth an organization just gets picked up and it gets nipped in the bud because it'll go funnel through to an appropriately trained agent and that agent will reach out and hopefully just quash that and improve the customer experience yeah. for that uh, customer. But I guess that's not um, that's not a route that you want people to go down. And uh, as, a, as an organization and as an individual, it's not something you want to rely on. You want it to be a bit more organic and a bit more um, friction-free where you're not getting het up. So you have to put something on Twitter. So that, it, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. Yeah, I mean, going back, Rob, to your, your question about the last 12 months, what I've seen, especially last year, because I was doing a lot of prospecting last year, was that there's a lot of people out there today that have customer experience, um, customer journey, um, leader in, you know, um, customer satisfaction and all these job titles, you know, and it all leads back to how can they enable that? you know, for not just their customers, but how can they enable that for their employees and how can they create, you know, that kind of ambassador within the business, I suppose, that's, you know, believes in, in the culture of being able to deliver that kind of customer experience and customer journey. Um, I think that was kind of happening before. Yeah. And I, I also like the, sorry to interrupt you there, Matthew, but I, I do like one one trend I certainly have seen for certainly bigger companies is this kind of arms race of things like MPS and, you know, just everyone publishing these things and making sure that they're very outward facing people actually care what, what, you know, again, what the general sentiment is around them. And I think that's probably one, one, one particularly positive thing that I think has, has come of that. Um, but uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, as that developed with COVID, I mean, it's kind of uh, put a rocket under everyone's bottom. <laughs> I think, you know, how can, um, how can we now really make a change and make a difference uh, where before, you know, when business is plodding along and revenues are being generated and, you know, the normal is the normal. Um, it's, it's really put a highlight on those that can versus those that can't. I mean, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with, of course, having some kind of message that says, you know, you might hear a dog barking in the background or people are working from home, but, you know, just the ability to work remotely in the contact center like environment is something which obviously you know, cloud-like services and which Cisco heavily promotes, you know, and enables. So that that's a good news story. But of course, when you then also make a similar call and get a message to say, you know, we're unindated and not just that there's a long lead time before we can talk to you, but just we can't talk to you at the moment, which, you know, we've also seen 
then you, there's obviously a big failure there and there's a lack of investment, there's a lack of foresight, you know, um, and there's lack of ability to pivot and be able to change with changing circumstances. I mean, it's COVID last year, but, you know, who knows what's around the corner next? I mean, I'm not thinking <laughs> about negative things, but just the development um, of, uh, of the industry in general. I think that's really interesting because the um, what you mentioned about contact center contact center traditionally isn't a, a contact center agent isn't traditionally a role where people um associated with working from home and although the technology existed for a long time uh this has kind of made the uh, not the industry but customers who have contact center sort of pull that plaster off in one go and say oh my god we have to move these people to work from home and if you delve into why they weren't allowed to work from home in the past and a lot of it was to do things with trust because um, it's, um, you know, people might say, well, it's a low paid um, role. It's um, adopted by younger people, all unfair um, labels that were given to people uh, who work in contact centers. And let's not forget, it's the most monitored role in an organization where you're monitoring what they're saying, how they're saying it what the customer is saying back to them, when they take a break, how long they've gone to the toilet for, and yet we're now going, actually, we're, they're now working from home, and it's fine. And the, and, the, and the things that really came out where I've talked to friends of mine and customers who've said the things that we didn't realize would be an issue when we sent people to work from home was people didn't have anywhere to sit. There were people in house shares or living in a room at their parents. They didn't have a desk didn't have a screen, didn't have a chair. And then suddenly you're talking about completely different things. You're thinking, well, hang on, all of the things that we took for granted where their mental health and their uh, well-being was taken care of by the person sat next to them or having a break and going for a drink and chat to somebody at the water cooler. Those kind of things became more important. And although you can automate some of those, but there's nothing like that human contact. So it was different things took on a different importance. But then uh, bigger organizations said, well, I have to protect my brand. So should I, inv a lot of our customers have come to us and said, I want you know, PC, uh, PCI compliance for payments over the phone. I want that kind of solution. So you know, we were able to roll out um, network level solutions that meant that the customer didn't have to worry about their entire environment being in scope for compliance, but it also meant that we could then deploy analytics and go, well, have you got any customer card data in your estate? You could go and find it. Um, so it was very different things that started to come out once people started to work from home. And you know, all of those, proclamations came out from you know Barclays and people like that uh, CEOs who said well the era of big buildings full of people is all over but then it's kind of evolved over a period of time where a lot of people are backtracking so Google have just today or yesterday said uh, well actually we would still have X amount of people working from the office and we expect you to live within commuting distance uh, of the office which is you know for for big technology firms that's a real swing because before it was you know people would go abroad um and people who work for Intelic, you know uh, who might not uh, be from the uk went to see their families in europe and said well i'm just going to stay here because i've got childcare, i've got a support network and as an organization we we're like well that's brilliant 
because it makes you're still delivering the same things that you always deliver. Uh, and in these circumstances, why not take advantage of that? But it seems like slowly the the world is now shifting back to the old normal. And I really thought that there would be a new normal, but it feels like it's slowly easing towards the old normal. Well, when yeah, I'd like sorry to interrupt, but I, I think I'd personally like to see the new normal being choice, you know, and the choice of the individual. I mean, um, I personally am desperate to get back into, you know, I've got, I've got two, I've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, and of course we've been home, you know, and you get to this stage where you just want to get out, you know, you want to, you want to be back with your friends, with your colleagues, you want to be in that different environment. But at the same time, if I do need to work from home and I need to balance that with my childcare commitments or whatever, I've got that option to do so, you know? So, um, I think in the past, to the point that you're making, uh, you know, some people just didn't have the choice full stop. Mm. But if in any role, any role, be it within, you know, the contact center or, or any other role, I think choice is going to be the, the new normal that I'd like to see. In fact, it was funny, you mentioned Google. I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember there was a story, the Yahoo CEO actually cancelled home working completely <laughs> and uh, anyone that were, wasn't happy with that had to leave the business which was the, again completely extreme so it's, it's it's different different views but um you know one of the things i really like about cisco is the culture and i know at natilic as well you guys have a fantastic culture and uh, you know just being able to sort of live and breathe that and be part of something that you know is making a difference for your customer and of course their customers is i think james you mentioned that before in terms of that tangible stuff that you see i think that's uh really powerful yes yeah, it's, it's um you know we we the roles that we work in we do have the luxury um again afforded to us by our our employers to have um you know somewhat flexible working um and it does it does seem ironic doesn't it that you know, we we like that because we get treated like adults. And then to Ajmal's point, the people that are the most watched and the most um, have the most information on how they are performing are actually the least trusted in the in uh, in the agents simply because yeah they're just they're low lower paid or because they yeah the demographic is they tend to be sort of just out of university when it's like well actually if you just treated them like adults you'd know pretty quickly who was good at, and did their job and who didn't because it'd be pretty obvious whether they were there doing it or not so um, maybe you'd kind of get to better people quicker if you just treated them like adults um, who knows yeah and and to move back to technology i mean uh, this create I, I mentioned the word ambassador before but i really believe in it i mean if, if we can use the technology to enable the employee to do the best job they can do and provide that satisfaction to them so they believe in what they're doing you know that obviously makes a big difference as well i mean you know we've spoken a lot and, and sorry and to that point and to that point doesn't that that doesn't wouldn't that be most impactful <clears throat> to like an agent in a contact center because that that is that person represents your business and your brand yes so if they're the most if they feel the most empowered and the most happy that's exactly spot on because then they're gonna they're gonna convey that to to the person that they're talking to and therefore uh, yeah, I can't agree with that 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 statement. Yeah, um, more, and really. and and you know, to that to that point, I've seen a lot of really cool development in the AI space enabling that. 
Um, so, mm. I mean, we talk about AI in terms of self-service and, and spot on, you know, like going onto a chatbot that just provides you with frequently asked questions as a response to something is not good enough today. But having something that is intelligent and responds specifically to the questions you're asking is really cool. But in the instance where you are engaged, you know, with an agent and a human, uh, that agent a human is infallible as well and doesn't know the answers to everything in the world. But having AI uh, services running in the background for them, suggesting maybe what to answer, how to answer, where to go, you know. So rather than looking up, <laughs> um, you know, telling someone as an agent to go to an FAQ even and saying, OK, go here and you might find your answer. But actually the AI saying, do you know what, maybe you should check here. I've seen this article there and actually this seems to be the answer. And they've been able to relay that in real time. I mean, um, that's the type of stories that people tend to share. Um, and that's, you know, how how businesses, uh, um, you know, re really improve. I mean, I'll give you an example, uh, personally for me, I know we, we certainly don't want to name and shame, but a fantastic experiences that I have is with Apple. Uh, I don't have to phone Apple often, but I have Apple products, uh, computers, phones, iPads, etc. And, uh, if there ever is an issue, um, you know, it's uh, an issue that one, they want to solve two they understand what's going on three um they have um all my history my journey what i've done in the past my uh sort of purchases of uh, as a customer so they know sort of my loyalty to the business that kind of stuff not that any of that necessarily impacts the service they provide but the point is you know they know who i am and you know they they want to be there to help me um and I, I've, I mean, yeah, there's never been a scenario where I haven't come out and it hasn't been a successful engagement and I haven't resolved what I needed to resolve. So, you know, that that, that way of working is what we need to uh, obviously help um, the rest of our customers try to achieve, I suppose. Yeah, and that's, a, that's a really good point because we're, we're so close to being at a point where if I have to contact somebody and I need to speak to somebody, by the time I get through to a person, they will know who I am. They will know what services I'll buy from them. They'll know how many times I've contacted them in the short previous history, uh, short history. They'll know what mood I'm in based on the sentiment analysis of my previous interactions. They'll probably be able to guess what I'm about to ask for. And when the call is about to finish, the agent will get a recommendation of what I might call back about in the future. So not only can you get that single interaction with an organization where they can deal with your transaction from start to finish but also they'll be able to predict actually you might call again about something in the future and they can ask you that question i'm going to challenge i'm going to challenge you about that though because why do you why, why do you think that is now because i if i if i had my notes if i even had the fernando i reckon in that three-hour session that I had with Fernando nearly six years ago, that we talked around a lot of those themes. Now I know that like AI and bots and that kind of technology has come a long way, but I think some of that was achievable six years ago. And so, why do you think that that is we're now more on the cusp of it now compared to then? So my because my I've... my take on that is, and I've got some fairly strong views on it. It's mostly around. Because if you think about the big organizations, you know, the, the banks, think about the banks, they have got, so I, I was doing consulting around different banks probably five years ago, and 
they were still trying to incorporate you know green screens into new uh, technology and they would and i'd say well you can take solids of data and join them together and they go yeah but it's sat in my data center which is downstairs i've got a 10 year lease on it and it's a green screen dos types piece of software that's running and then you're there thinking well can i do some screen scraping can i do this can i do that because you couldn't link them together and what's basically put a rocket up their backsides is challenger banks they're unencumbered by all of this history and what do they do they come to you straight away and go it's an app it's all on there it knows exactly what you want before you know it and you can very quickly set up a bank and you don't yeah you, know, you don't have the old systems you don't have as many people you're much more agile and you don't have the decision making process that a huge organization with a massive history has and if you even with the organizations back five six years ago when we were talking about i remember doing these presentations about knowing what the customer wants and um and going across different you know omni-channel type omni even omni-channel sounds quite old now um but it was you know um, and a lot of people didn't know what that meant you know if you'd asked somebody five years ago what does omni-channel mean they probably said every mm, channel yeah um whereas we now know that you can be omni-channel with just two channels it's the ability to shift mid-transaction between channels mm. seamlessly. So you could go from web chat, email to web chat to an agent and all the context, sentiment, everything shifts with it. And, and you'll find that there's still not that many companies, large organizations, you're on a web chat and you, you'll you'll hit a roadblock and they'll tell you to phone in. That's today. Mm. That's today. Yeah. So do you think... Do you think the technology, even though the technology has improved, I think we'd all agree on that, that the technology has improved in that time, um, actually maybe more of the reason why it's happening now is just sheer digital disruption and competition from a minority of companies who have actually taken to a digital first approach versus the fact that the technology didn't exist and now it exists. I think some of it goes back to something that you said a lot earlier, James which is about take the technology out of the conversation because you'll mm. get, when you go and speak to somebody, I go and speak to somebody, you know, there's an IT person or an IT director in the room and they want to talk about technology. If you just get business people in the room, they'll, they'll talk to you about the user experience, the customer experience and the outcome they're trying to drive. And here's the data that's driving them. But if you get a technology person in the room or an IT director in the room, their job is to stop disruption because they want stability. Whereas it's the disruption that drives things forward. And if you think about the, you know, I mean, if I'm, if, if I'm allowed to say, it, uh, Matthew, uh, Amazon Connect, <laughs> when, when, when they first came along, they disrupted everything. So, you know, things like uh, Cisco Flex and things like that came along after that because it was a pure consumption model. And everybody talked about uh, as it was, uh, advertise that you know you need five minutes in a credit card and you've got a contact center and and we now know and amazon acknowledged that that was untrue because you can't do that but it's a massive ecosystem of different spinning parts that need to work together yeah. and with cisco they're not new to contact center and they have an ecosystem that says hey it's off the shelf they're building blocks so if you say i want imi it's pre-integrated if you want upstream, it's pre-integrated. If you want Calabrio, if you want Verant, if you want, you know, analytics, uh, advanced analytics, you want workforce management optimization. They're all building blocks that just sit on a shelf, and you just say that you want it, 
and it just comes off and clicks together. And now with WebEx Contact Center uh, 2.0 coming along, it's the, the the bricks are smaller and further away, and the big building block, the center one, is massive because it's got most stuff in it. But what yeah. it does is, because in the API, you know, in the world of APIs, if you've got something that isn't in that ecosystem, but doesn't matter, it's just an API. It's standard. Yeah, and you know, disruptors is going to be the key driver in a lot of lot of areas. And uh, to your point around Amazon Connect. Um, you know, it is, it is that disruption. I mean, Cisco, from a legacy perspective, or even in terms of, you know, modern today, um, I think they've got about three and a half million agents globally on their platforms on various different levels and architectures, et cetera. And I think that equates to about 35,000 enterprises across the globe as well. And with that being said and done, and as you mentioned with WebEx, the new, we like to call, the marketing team like to call it the new Cisco WebEx rather than WebEx 2.0. But be that what it may, I mean, it's this is another disruption to the industry. Um, you know, okay, there are cloud services today and there's other things, but, you know, out of the box now, we're talking about, and you mentioned it, the sentiment analysis, the WebEx experience management, you know, all of that really cool stuff that just works and happens as part of the implementation. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, the IMI piece and how seamless that will be and how seamless it will even become uh, as we develop those kind of application-like plugins to solve not technical problems, but, um, you know, uh, customer journey issues, <laughs> which which is really really exciting, and then on top of that, you know, um, with I think today we've got around fifteen Solution Plus partners that deliver additional services like workforce optimization and management, all the other bits and pieces. So sorry, getting a bit geeky there, but I think it's really important to put it out there that there is another disruption tidal wave coming and uh, and the new Cisco WebEx is definitely driving that and it's going to be a really exciting time and it's going to be up to the likes of us to help our, our partners and our customers understand what that means for them and to the point around the disruption banking um, yeah these these smaller like organizations are, you know they get it they know it but for those that need that help you know we're the experts we're here and uh, we're we're looking forward to driving those conversations and looking what we can do um, and not just how we can compete or stay the same but how we can do things better as well you know what's missing there and what can we improve on etc so th that's where the exciting conversations are going to start happening yeah well, on, that, on that webex experience management but um because five six seven years ago james you mentioned it uh, customers were coming to us and saying well i need to be digital I need to move to a digital uh, platform. I need web chat. I need all sorts of different ways of contacting my customers. And back then, it wasn't very evolved because people didn't come to you with data. They just said, I want a channel turned on. And you know, people like us on this call, we were sat there going, wait, are you, are you sure about this? Do you know what that's going to do? Because you know, we, we all know if you used to just turn on digital web chat for everybody, agents can do two web chats instead of one voice call but each web chat takes twice as long as a voice call. So it's a false economy. But now customers are coming to you with data and they're saying, well, this is my number one query that I get in my contact center. And you look at it and go, that's quite easy to automate. Why don't we do that? And we can easily quantify the uplift in customer experience and the saving 
in an organization that that would allow. And the more complicated queries would come into the contact center. And this goes to back to a conversation I had with a customer who said that, well, surely voice isn't as important as it used to be. And whereas if you're if you're in that industry, you think, well, no, voice is way more important now because customers have multiple ways to contact you. But if they get to a speech channel or they get to an agent, it's because they've escalated through the other channels to this point. And this could be your last port of call to save that customer. And average handle time is an old measure. It was a measure of how many queries you're dealing with and how quickly you're dealing with them. Whereas now, because your more complicated queries and customer interactions are escalating to an agent, they're going to be longer. You might have all the all the tools available, but they're just going to be a bit longer. And things like WebEx experience management are really important for identifying when that happens. So which digital journey is broken? Which piece of automation that I, I've put in, I've spent a lot of money on, and try to make it really slick. Which bit of it is broken and are customers still flowing out the other side? Am I still hemorrhaging into the contact center when I could just tweak a journey that would make all of that customer experience, would elevate it massively and reduce the, the weight on my um, agent uh, estate. And they would deal with those more complicated. So your agents wouldn't be someone who knows a small amount about or a large amount about small amount of topics and just churn those out, they would probably be experts in certain areas and they know everything about it. And if a caller gets through to them, it's because they're the ones who are best suited to deal with that. And some of it might just be because the customer is has had such a difficult journey and they're so unhappy that the customer's, uh, the agent's expertise might be on how to deal with a customer who's having a hard time. And in the future, Agents won't be experts on policy, on systems, on um, terms and conditions. They'll be experts on empathy, on um, dealing with people, and they'll and they'll be people who are experts in processing a lot of information really quickly. Because imagine that that uh, an agent gets a screen pop of a ton of information about a customer. You have to then map out in what order do I show it to them. So the first thing I show them is they've gone through some biometric authentication and I definitely know that it's it's James. And the second bit is I'll just color code it to say he's in he's in a pretty bad mood because he's had these five previous interactions. <laughs> he's not got what he wants. So I've been able to funnel him based on those, what he's trying to do, who he is, his mood through to an agent. And then suddenly... I'll just interrupt, I'll tell you what puts me in a bad mood is when you do the security authentication, be it like with voice or be it by entering your date of birth or whatever it is, and then you get onto an agent and then they ask you what your date of birth is again or what your what your address is. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, what what is broken in that journey? It's uh that that's uh pet hate. Yeah, that was one of my nightmare bank experiences. I, I felt you know what's funny though, is when Ad Admiral is when you talk about <clears throat> that that uh, type of agent in that example, and then we compare it to where we started at the, the top of the um, conversation around the type of agents today and how they're completely 180. And it feels like that's what's happening with contact centers. Everything is flipping on its head. The, the, the type of individual that's gonna be sat in the contact center needs to be a customer service ex expert who can 
you know, detect sentiment, who can assimilate a lot of information at once, who can act very quickly, and things like average handling time. Like, actually, then you want average handling time to be long, like to a certain extent, like, you know, within reason, because actually, if the sentiment is positive and that, and you can get that information, um, then a, a, a long call with a, with your customer or your client is a positive thing. Like they want to have a conversation with you. That that's that's a yeah. good thing, right? Yeah, for sure. So, and yeah. you know what? There's a there's a really good book by uh, a guy called Mika Solomon, and it's called When the Customer Wins, Nobody Loses, and it's all about customer experience. And I live by that. Like when I think when I when I think about my engagements with uh, my customers, you know, and what they want to do, you know, for their customers, it's easy. When the customer wins nobody loses and what i like about the book actually uh, just to plug his book is uh is uh he actually gives a series of examples of where people have gone above and beyond you know as an agent you know uh, where, where how they've really helped and not just how they've leveraged the technology but how they've acted as a human you know in that human to human interaction i mean i think we can all say we, we've had experiences where we've had to say to an agent or be interfaced with someone where we've had look can you just please talk to me i mean surely you know how i feel like <laughs> like you mm -hmm. know talk to me like put, put you yourself in my shoes for example yeah. which, is, which is a crazy thing to have to say mm -hmm. nowadays but i'm sure we've all done it um but, when they're uh, just repeating stock answers back to you and you're like just just talk to me like i'm a human being <laughs> help me to help you exactly well that, thank you for that matthew that's our that's our first book recommendation we've had beer recommendations before but not book ones i'll so. give you some of those as well on the, on the flip side of uh that book matthew there's um i think it was it called the not the, is it the frictionless journey um there's 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 a quote from that that i've used before and it's one of, one of the quotes is it's it's almost the opposite of what you've just said from that book I'm and it's to see where this goes don't but the thing is it applies in different industries because it depends what you're doing um, and it's don't over deliver. Yeah. So it's don't, don't over, it's don't over deliver, make it easy. Okay. And that's it. So, so because it, it's about setting an expectation. So say for example, you're uh, a mail order company and someone's ordered something and they've ordered it with a delivery time of two to three days, which is standard, but you've delivered it in half a day. You've set the expectation. So the next time they're likely to expect it. But what you want them to do is be able to consume your service easily. So if if you say, well, actually, I'm going to go all out to over deliver every single time, you're setting a new, you're, you're redrawing those lines of expectation. Mm. Uh, whereas all you want them to do is to be able to order easily, get into the system and know when it's happening. The thing that you don't want is, so I've, I've had a good experience where I've ordered some shoes. Um, and what happens is they tell you it's going to be delivered in two, three days and they send you an email. So informational stuff that you just need to know, it comes via um, an email, which is a, a great way to communicate with people. But then if they need you to act on something, they send you an SMS because you're going to read that straight away. So, and, and as the window narrows of where they get more and more information about where your parcel is as it gets closer to your address, they narrow the window. Of, they might say it's going to arrive on Wednesday. But as you get closer to Wednesday and they know where your parcel is, that window starts going. It's going to be in the morning. It's going to be between 9 and 11. It's going to be between half past 9 and half past 10. And before you know it, you know exactly where to be and when to be. And that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? Um, you know, but yeah, but is, is in that, isn't that actually 
in itself over delivery because I want to know where you buy your shoes because when I buy my shoes, they don't turn up like that. I don't get this kind of telling me where it is every five minutes. So for me, that is over delivery <laughs> because they're actually, I'm actually getting a good service. And that's the, that's the crazy thing. Getting a good service is over delivery. You need to spend more money on your shoes, James. <laughs> well, well, the, well, the thing on, shoes, on that particular... Is a very, very poor thing to admit <laughs> on, a, on a public facing podcast, but yeah. Well, on that particular one, it's very, um, it's a, it's a, it's a model, obviously, a technology and a process model that they've deployed, and it works for every single person. Um, but when it's something on a delivery lead time, then it's more to do with how quickly it, it turns its way through the system. Some might take a long time, some might take less time, and it's the expectation that you set. And it's about you know the reality versus the expectation. So if you just say, actually, my parcel is delivered every you know three days after i've ordered it every single time and you go that's fine because i know that's the window that it's supposed to deliver in but if you know the next five are delivered in the next day very early in the morning you're kind of in the back of your mind hoping that it'll always be that but disappointed when it isn't even though your company is delivering i get i get your point but i'd say as long as there's communication as long as there's that constant communication which is clearly the process that they've created then if it doesn't turn up within a day you're not going to be that disappointed because at least you're still being communicated with as to where it is and i and i and i think that i i i definitely more to matt's kind of book. well look i, I um mean, i am um, uh, just to interject i uh it's an interesting debate but i think sometimes this kind of debate is generational as well <laughs> like um because we all want different things careful, careful where you take I think there's a dig in there and, you know uh, and there's, there's none of us are too old on this on this call that's for sure but oh my god well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 41. So, uh, I'm, I'm uh, well on my way as well, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I, I really like my DPD app that actually shows me where my driver is, you know, and tells me I'm stop number 56 on the route. And I see a map of where it is. And look, it's, it's not, it's not brain surgery in, t- in, in the, in the way technology can be delivered today, especially from sort of the scalability of the cloud, et cetera. And why couldn't you display that in, in an agent interface? Why couldn't they have that same visibility? Well, they can, you know, I mean, I was on a call with uh, Dyson the other day because my um, very, very expensive vacuum cleaner, part of it broke. You know, I was on the call with the agent because I didn't want to use a digital channel and start typing all this stuff. So I just wanted to call someone. I got on a call and he escalated it to a video chat through the web browser you know of my phone and he says show me what's broken so i showed him you know some of the rubbers come away and the seals are not working properly oh yeah no problem i know exactly what that is we'll get a new unit out to you you're still under guarantee you know and it's like it's just done you know and it's brilliant um and um giving giving that enablement is is the key thing um, over the Easter weekend, actually, I, uh, I spent some time uh, with with my sister-in-law and, and her children, and um, her her girl's just about to turn sixteen, actually, in the next couple of weeks. And so I, I said to her, "Look, what, what app are you what's, what app do you use most on your phone at the moment?" I I haven't spoken to a sixteen-year-old for a long time. She was like, "Oh, Snapchat is the one." I was like, "Oh, how does that work? What how's it different from WhatsApp or some of these omni-channel capabilities that we use?" And 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 she started to explain to me. You know, all of the extra capability and functionality, the gaming, uh, the way to connect, you know, the security as well and and the different processes. And 
I mean, again, for me, it was just another world. But like for her to then, as a 16-year-old, um, have to interface with any organization that she deals with um, in the way that I interface with my organizations that I deal with, I mean, it is completely different and it, and it, and it will be completely different. And, um, you know, and it's forever changing. I mean, that's the way it is, you know. Um, but the point is, if you're if you're 16 or you're uh, 86, like you, you have to provide, you know, services to all of your customers, um, and that yeah. and that's the key. I think you've exposed you've you've exposed yourself there in ways that you might not have expected that would happen, Matthew. And, and who knows what kind of I'll, I'll I'll make sure I forward on all the comments that we get here calling you out on your, uh, your antiquated uh, attitudes. But unfortunately, we're out of time, gents. I feel like we could um, there's, there's plenty more beef that we could be airing here and um, and, and conversations that we could be having. But it's been it's been great. Um, what I want to do is just make sure that we. Um, point people in the direction of so Matthew we, we talked a little bit at the beginning about your video series um, what's what, what's coming can what, what else can we expect there so that's just focused around WebEx contact center right but you're you're doing that in in, in sort of smaller chunks aren't you uh, yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's five, six minutes at the most, little clips, really easy to consume. Um, you know, uh, it, it's quick wins for me and it's, and it's quick wins for my customers because, you know, it's not meeting after meeting and demos after demos. It's just like, well, I'll check this out first and then, you know, we'll continue from there. So, so that's great. Um, we're going to evolve that. Um, as time goes on from very basic, you know, this is look and feel to uh, this is some of the more advanced capabilities that you can start to think about, which will include the IMI piece and other things like that. But it's just a great forum and a great way to be able to communicate on a large scale. I, I, I use LinkedIn a lot as well. So um, look me up, Matthew Drayton on LinkedIn and feel free to connect. Um, that's also a great medium, um, and I post a lot on there. Um, sometimes it's very focused on on business and uh, what's going on from a market perspective, and sometimes it might just be a picture of me cycling to work, <laughs> or like, or not actually cycling to work, cycled to work rather, and uh, and things like that. So um, yeah, it's nice. uh, it's great to be able to connect with everyone in that way. Good. And then from an Attilic side, um, we're running a series. I mean, we, we're always there, obviously, to discuss Contact Center, but we're, we're obviously running our uh, Return to the Office campaign at the moment. So we're going to be offering an Attilic Contact Center workshops to try and help clients transition into the world of, of hybrid working as we continue to move forward. So please do keep an eye out for that. Um, and we'll include a link in the show notes to both uh, Matthew's video series as well as um, where you can get more information on the Tillic Contact Centre. All that that leaves me to do is thank you for your time, gents. So James, Ajmal, Matthew, it's been a pleasure. You will pass the test. Hopefully we'll bring you back sometime in the near future. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Looking forward to uh, Robbie Thor's book club coming soon. Book club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to NatChat, the Natillic Podcast. Please subscribe to the Natillic Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review while you're there. It really helps us improve and grow the show. Please note that opinions expressed on the Natillic podcast are those of the hosts or our guests, not the organisations that they represent. You can find more information on Natillic on our website, that's natillic.com. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Natillic Group, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. Our theme music was provided by Dan Shaw, who you can find at Danza, that's D-A-N-Z-R, on music streaming services. This is Rob Thor, and thanks again for listening.